Support for KVLU is made possible in part by Visit Port Arthur, welcoming visitors from around the world to experience Cajun hospitality, Gulf seafood, and the natural wonders of Sea Rim State Park and Sabine Lake. Explore scenic waterways with marsh paddling, fishing, sailing, and world-class birding amidst two migratory flyways. Get outdoors and plan your next adventure at visitportarthurtx.com. From KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands Talks, a companion podcast where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the KVLU radio documentary series, Bayou Lands, a program exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas since 2016. This is Shannon Harris. For this episode, we're sharing my conversation with Margaret Toll, chair of the Orange County Historical Commission, we spoke about her remembrances of Henry Lowe, who, prior to his passing in November of 2022, was well known for his efforts to preserve and share the heritage and contributions of the African American community in Orange. Most notably, Mr. Lowe set about to create the Orange African American Museum, a project that continues today. We hope you enjoy. Margaret, thank you so much for speaking with me today. You are quite welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I go back seven generations to Orange, and I have a journalism degree and spent most of my career in newspapers before I went to KOGT. And my avocation is collecting stories and history of Orange. I am currently the chair of the Orange County Historical Commission also. I guess you're the perfect person to speak with about Henry Lowe, a man who really was dedicated for many years to the idea of creating an African-American museum in Orange. And unfortunately, sadly, he passed before we could speak with him in person. Um, But can you just share with us your remembrances of him and the ways that you worked together over the years? Mr. Lowe was one of the great storytellers of my life. He could tell a story better than anyone. And I first met him um, probably around 2008, and I was a reporter for the Beaumont Enterprise, and he had moved back to Orange, and he was going to all the city council meetings. And he would get up and talk, and he was a pure charmer. He always had a smile and a twinkle in his eye, and he just was full of personality. And he would always go talk to the city council and make sure they were paying attention to the east town, which is the traditionally black area of town, although we're very integrated in Orange. He was dedicated to putting the museum in that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, he acquired a building and... You know, we've had so many hurricanes and floods and things, It's it just kept getting off track. And also, he had had some health problems. But anyway, um, he had moved to Orange in 1951 in high school uh, with his parents. And, of course, Orange had a lot of shipyard jobs and chemical plant jobs and things like that back then. 
Anyway, he went to the old segregated Emma Wallace High School. Now, somehow, he became a horse jockey. His nickname was Jitterbug, and he must have been small. Now, let me put it this way. I'm height challenged, so he... (laughs) He was taller than me, but maybe just maybe 5'5 five, five or 5'6, five, I guess, good mm-hmm. enough for jockey. And in those days, Texas did not have any horse track bets. But uh, people who had horses would do their own races in big bets. So he ended up a jockey, and he was so good that he was wanted all over East Texas for these private race tracks and bets. And he got a lot of money. And one of the last times I saw him, he was telling us a story about how he went to Wallace High School, and Willie Ray Smith was the coach back then, the football coach. Bubba Smith was actually born in Orange. And uh, they had some great football teams, including later pros Ernie Ladd, who was at one time the biggest man in pro football, and then Garland Boyette. Well, Mr. Lowe said that he was too little to play on that football team, but all the football players hung around with him because he had earned enough money to buy a car, and none of them had a car, so he would drive the big football players around. Nice, nice. But he became enough jockey where he ended up at Hollywood Park Racetrack. Wow. And he In would, California. In California. Now, I don't know if he was jockeying or ended up harsh training or he, he worked there for a long time because he would talk about running into the movie stars like Cary Grant, Elizabeth Taylor, and he had all these great tales about, you know, those glory days out at the Hollywood racetrack in the 60s. Wow. So, like I said, he was a great storyteller. Yeah. Can you speak at all about where you think his passion for the museum project came from? I think he wanted to make sure that the black community and what it stood for back in the days of segregation especially, that people would remember it and that you know future generations would learn what had happened and the wonderful people that came up there. Of course, it was segregated, but it was Second Street was the center of the um, black community, and there were there was a movie theater, there were cafes, uh, there were black doctors and black dentists, and it was a thriving community. And of course, really, almost at the center of it was Wallace High School. It was named in the late '40s after Emma Wallace, who was the longtime principal. It was originally named Moton High. So, you know, he wanted to make sure people remembered that part of it. Mm -hmm. So he was working to establish the museum, and he he was actually able to purchase a building. He received a grant from the Velma Jeter Foundation, which we've we've done a profile on Velma Jeter for Bayou Lands. And can you speak a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that he faced in trying to establish the museum? I think just some of it was the hurricanes. You know, we've been bombarded with it. It needed a whole reno, that building. Mm -hmm. And then when you get contractors, though, hurricanes come, and then there's no contractors left. Right. And it was just kind of one thing after another. And, you know, fundraising was slow, too. Sure. 
Is there anything that you would like to mention about him that we haven't? Well, one thing, when you mentioned Velma Jeter, see, a few years ago, in my search for history, I go through a lot of old newspapers, and I was online going through an orange leader from 1945, and there was a headline, Famous Negro Poet Comes to Orange. And, uh, of course, they always had to tell what color they were at the time. Right. And it was Langston Hughes. Wow. And he and Margaret Walker came to Orange on a tour to raise money for a segregated USO. Now, this was at the end of World War II. Orange was full of shipyards and everything. And we had a huge, big USO for white people, but... It's hard to imagine today they would not let the black men who were in service come and have recreation there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Langston Hughes and Margaret Walker came to raise money for a black USO. And Margaret Walker later wrote, uh, she became an English professor, and she was the first black woman to win a major poetry award. And in the 60s, she wrote a book called Jubilee, which was the first one to follow slaves through the process of being freed and on through different generations. Well, they were there together, and I had to write a story. I wrote it for KOGT.com about Langston Hughes visiting, and Mr. Lowe and I talked about it. And it, it was like, did anybody have a program from this thing, or did they get an autographed book? It said he was going to autograph books. And I'd found online that Margaret Walker had once given a speech talking about how her and Langston had spent a delightful spring evening in Orange. Wow. And Henry was one day, he had gotten Mrs. Jeter's books, and he was looking through one of her black history books, and out fell the program from that. Both of them signed it. Margaret Walker even thanked Mrs. Jeter for her hospitality, and Langston Hughes handwrote on a long legal piece of paper out one of his poems for her in pencil, and his handwriting was immaculate, Langston Hughes. It was beautiful. That's incredible. It is, and I I know Mr. Lowe kept it, and... Um, I hope we can recover it because, uh, you know, that's a local treasure. It really is, and something that I'm sure most people have no idea. He had yeah. never heard of it either, and, mm. it was, you know, that was a long time ago, and yeah. people don't remember. So I'm going to try to get a historical marker for that. So when we talk about the development of the museum, it's not just acquiring the building, but collecting all of these things from various people and uh, his ability to form relationships with people in the community uh, really facilitated that it it sounds like from talking to everyone and so what a collection who knows what other treasures are in there yes and one thing too the orange city council had four council members and one mayor for many years and there had been a gentleman's agreement over the years that there was, uh, from like 1971, there had been a black member of the city council. Well, in 2010, something ended up, and there were no black members of the city council. So the city decided to have 
a charter change where they would implement single-member districts, and they expanded the number of council seats to six instead of just four. And uh, Mr. Lowe was on that charter change commission. They were, the mayor appointed him, and uh, he was on that and helped uh, work through that. And now we have a very integrated um, city council. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like he will be missed. And uh, Yes, I'm kind of tearing up now. Yeah. Our last uh, meeting of the Historical Commission, he was on it for a number of years, and uh, that was when we found out he was in hospice, and it was like, I need to go see him and really get him to tell me some more stories, and then the next day I learned he had passed away. Hmm. I'm glad that we were able to to talk about him. I just appreciate you speaking with me today. Well, thank you very much. And he was, like I said, a treasure and a tremendous human being, and I'm going to miss him forever. Thanks to our guest for this episode, Margaret Toll. And thanks to the HH and Edna Houseman Charitable Trust for making this program possible. Additional support is provided by the Jefferson County Tourism Commission. If you enjoy the conversation shared in Bayou Lands Talks, Please remember to share and follow wherever you find your podcasts. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Bayou Lands Talks is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU in Beaumont, Texas by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. You can hear the radio episodes every fourth Sunday at 5 p.m. on 91.3 FM and online at kvlu.org. Thanks for listening.